Good morning. How about those roads this morning? Really nice. Oh, yeah. Those are fun. Puts your trust in Jesus. Um, if you guys have your Bibles with you, could you turn with me to Matthew six twenty four? This is Matthew six twenty four out of the New King James Version. And it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So when I read this, I was hit. Immediate conviction. No time for me to say, Amen. Good thing that's not me. I was like, Okay, I hear you, Lord. I understand. And the second thing, I was like, Wait. Wait. Did Jesus get this wisdom from Bob Dylan? For the two people who got that, you're really cool. You're really cool. Yeah. Anyways, back to the sermon. Um, if anything in your life is taking from your focus, your commitment, and relationship with Christ, drop that immediately. Surrender it. Could we stand and pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I pray that if anything is taking from our relationship, our focus on you, Expose that to us, Lord. Help us to look to you for our hope. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, I'm going to shake it up just a tad, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that big. You know, it's not that big. <laughs> uh, we're going to have you, re- we're going to receive the offering right away this morning. So, Linda, why don't you come on up and receive the offering, and then we'll do the announcements and just making it wild today, just going crazy. Okay. If you have your Bible with me, whether electronic or a physical Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians 9, and uh, we're going to start at verse 8. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Ooh, what terrific worship. Thank you, Jamie and your team. Woo. That rocked my socks. I don't know about you. So the word says, and God is able to make all grace abound. How much grace? All. all. I have a little bit of a hard time kind of wrapping my brain around all because God is so big. But the word says that all grace will abound to you, which means me and you, right? That you always have all sufficiency in all things and may abound to every good work. How many of you are at that point right now? Okay, I'm not either. But you know, that's my goal, right? To be able to give to every good work, everything that I see needs to be ministered to. So I'm going to ask you to make that your goal, that you can just be a give, give, giver, and that God blesses you in abundance so you can do that, right? That's God's heart. Because you know what? He loves everybody. And there are so many things that need his abundance. Hallelujah. Now, if those of you who don't have to give today, whip down to verse 10. 
it says, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food, and multiplies your seeds sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So this is going to give you fruits of righteousness. Wow. That's kind of amazing, don't you think? Isn't that amazing? That this is an act of worship, right? Just like we just finished. It's not lesser. It's just another piece. Okay? So, I believe, ah, see, they're way ahead of me. There are several ways to give. By mail, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue North, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 58052. Online, www.rvcc.info/donate. In person, Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And of course, the fourth option is right back there, which is the option I usually use. Not that it's better or worse than any of them, but it is one, right? Praise God. Worship him today with what you are giving. And whether you're giving little or much, God will bless it, and he'll make you able to give more. Right? Praise God. Ephesians chapter 1. I began last week a multi-part series only because every time I start to put it together and put together the next section, the next session, uh, it always gets bigger. So uh, this might be a year-long series, I don't know. But authority, we're talking about the authority, the authority of the believer. Many people have heard about that, heard of the books that have been written and the tapes and such. But this is your authority, the authority of, uh, that you have as a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're already to Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 19, says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his, of his Jesus' power, towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above. We sang that this morning. Praise, thank you so much for picking those songs because we sang the, all, we, this, the whole time I was listening going, this is what we're talking about right here. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all the things into the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So God took Jesus, who was dead, who was, had paid for our sins, who was separated from him. He took them in that obedience and he raised him from the dead. That's what we talked about last week. God raised Jesus from the dead. God, God in His authority, God in His power, in His might, He, he, he sent Jesus to die for our sins. And we're going to talk a lot about that today, about righteousness. He died for our sins, and He was obedient, Ephesians says, even unto death. He was obedient to God. That's why God says, okay, you lowered yourself. <clears throat> you became obedient even unto death. So he took Jesus out of that low state, raised him up, not just back to where he was. 
but he raised him all the way up to the highest place in every in, in creation, in eternity, both in this time and the time to come. For all time, Jesus now sits in the highest place with all authority, all power, and all might. That's an amenable thing right there. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 and 19. This is all stuff I said last week. This is to bring us up to speed, get us back in there, get, the, get the, the creative juices going again here. Matthew chapter 28, begin with verse 18. says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then we read in Ephesians 2 last week, Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 4, says, says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together. That's what being born again is. Being born again. What is that, this born again thing? It means you're, you're, you were dead. You know, your body was alive, but your spirit was separated from God. That's death. Real death is separation from God. That's what hell is. Hell has all the other stuff with it, but hell is really separation from God. So there are people alive right now who are living in a living hell because they're separated from God. And their life is full of all kinds of pain and suffering and you know loneliness and all, I mean everything else that once you are born again, once your spirit is born again, then you are now in fellowship with God. You're no longer in hell. You're no longer separated from Him. Hell doesn't start when someone dies. Hell starts when someone is born. But you don't have to stay there. You receive what he did. You say, Jesus, I receive what you did on the cross. Your, your death, your burial, your, your blood shed for me. That right there. I, I choose to accept that free gift of salvation, that free gift of forgiveness. And we're going to talk about this. It's a gift. He gave it. He wants to give it to every single person. He doesn't want. He, Jesus says, I, "I hope that I wish that none would be lost, but that all would come." When you want to know what the will of God is, the will of God is that not a single person go to hell. The only reason they go to hell is if they reject what Jesus did. No, I want to do it a different way. You can't. Well, I, I think if I'm if I'm good enough, you can't. Well, if I go to that church, or if I give this much money, or if I, you know, no. The only way, there is no other name under heaven by which one must be saved, it's Jesus. And Jesus said, unless you come unto me, I can't, I'll, you know, unless you come to me, you can't get to the Father. It's the one way. And the, only, and the one way you get there is by repenting of your sins, by putting your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, and then following him. Glory to God. That simple. 
You can do that right now. If you're not born again, you can do it right this second. I don't have nothing. She doesn't have to play a note on the, on the uh, guitar. We don't have to close the, shut the lights down. We don't, I don't have to have you close your eyes and raise your hand. You can just go, Jesus, I put my trust in you right here, right now. Boom. You're born again. Thank you, Jesus. Where was I? Ephesians. Being rich in mercy because of the great love for with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, you think it's awesome, amazing, crazy, wild that he took Jesus past all of that and put him in the highest place in all of eternity. The highest place in all of existence. And then it says that he took us, it says here, that, uh, that and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, six levels lower than Jesus. Five. Five levels lower than Jesus. No. Three? Two, two levels. Two levels lower than Jesus. Some of you are going, yeah, yeah, maybe. No! No, don't do that. One level. Just one level lower than Jesus. No, he seated us with him in Christ. In him. That, see, that's where people's theological brains go. Oh, I can't believe that. No, no, I'm, I'm one level, at least one level. You know, some people are going, I'm 50 levels lower, you know. See, and that's where the mind, that's where that battle right here goes into play. And we all start going, well, today I'm seven levels lower. Because, but better than yesterday, because I was 10 levels lower yesterday. No, you are in Christ. Wherever he is, that's where you're at. And I don't care what your theological brain is saying. Tell it to stop. Take your authority and tell it to stop thinking that way. Get your mind renewed. If, it, if you're having trouble believing that you are in the same place as Christ, if you're having trouble with that, Renew your mind. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you this morning. So write down every one of these verses. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, and then everything else I talk about today. Let me read 6 again, just because hearing, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You know, you keep hearing this in Christ Jesus, in Christ. It's very important that you that you catch that this morning. Because it's not you. It's not you. It never was about you. It never was about your goodness. It never was about your faithfulness. It never was about your anything that you do. It's because you are in Christ. You are in Christ. 
If you're born again today, if you're born again, you are in Christ. Whether you believe it or not, whether you understand it or not, I want you to understand it. That's why we're just, I'm hammering this today. You're, I'm going to hammer in Christ today. I'm just, you're going to hear this so much because it is not because of what you think you are. It's not because of where you believe you are. It's not how you feel today. It's about the truth that if you are born again, I don't care who you are, what you've done, if you are Born again, you are right this moment in Christ. And tomorrow you will be in Christ. And the next day, and the next day, throughout all ages, you are now in a new place called in Christ. Verse 8. For by grace, see us by grace. He just decided, all of a sudden one day, probably billions of years ago, God says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create man. I'm going to create man with a free will. Somebody goes, don't do that. Don't create him with a free will. Why are you creating him with a free will? What if they choose to do something wrong? He goes, oh, they probably will. But I want people who choose to be in me. I don't want a robot Anybody here have one of those little mechanical robot dogs? No, because you want, if you want a pet, if you want a pet, you want one that can just, you know, be there and be snuggly. And I said the word snuggly. I can't believe I said the word snuggly. I know, it's a slippery slope. You just want to be, you know, you can. And, and then with that dog comes everything else that dogs do. Do. Now, you might wake up and look at your dog and go, I can't, I can't believe you did that. But do you go, <laughs> Don't raise your hand if you did. Just don't, okay? That would be inappropriate at this time. Some of you are thinking that what you just did was inappropriate. But, you know, I got to get the point across. God doesn't look at you and you've been a human being and go, no, he already chose way back before, before time even began. He decided he wanted you to be in him. So he did, he, he did everything it took. You couldn't do it, okay? You couldn't do it. And you can't do it. You, you, get, what I'm, you, you get this. I think I've said that enough times. But he put you in Christ. Today you're in Christ. Tomorrow you're in Christ. For the, forever you're, with, you're in Christ. For by grace, it's his grace, you've been saved through faith. This is not, it even says that right up there, doesn't it? This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's so cool. In Him, authority. He's given us everything we need. He, he said, I want that person. I want you. And I want you. And I want, I want the world. And I've done everything. He sent Jesus. He sent His only Son to pay the ultimate price. That's why we worship him. Because he was worthy. And now he has all authority. So what is authority? Authority, according to 
the dictionary. This isn't even the Bible dictionary. We'll get to that one in a second. Authority is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. That's really important. The power or right to give orders, to make decisions, and to enforce obedience. A person or an organization having power or control in a particular typically political or administrative sphere. We're talking about the spiritual sphere, which actually controls everything. He has given us authority. He gave it to Jesus. He gave Jesus the authority. Jesus then gave it to us. He gave it back to us. I won't even read the verse in Genesis that we read last week where it says that in the beginning we were given all dominion. Adam and Eve were given all power, all authority, all dominion on earth. Whatever they said. Remember, remember when, when God said that he, the word says that he brought the animals and Adam named the animals. Why is that? Because he had authority to name them. He had authority to say, you are a platypus. You are a giraffe. You or a snake. You know, I mean, he, was, he had the authority to, sp- and he said it, how did he have that, how did he use his authority? He spoke. That's another key. That's another key. The authority is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Okay, so we need to understand authority. What exactly is authority? Is authority power and might? I have authority because I can beat all of you up. I mean, I can probably beat all of you up, but that's not the point. Well, I can definitely beat him up. Where is he? Yeah, yeah, easy. That's not, that's nothing. But authority is not that I am biggest and strongest in the room, so I have the authority. Why? Because six of you could take me. Seven, seven, seven. You see my point. But let's put this in a completely different light. Get away from that silliness. Let's put it in a different light. This morning, this morning we were driving to church, and I was late. Actually, my wife was late, but... I wanted her to get to practice on time. She had to be here at a certain time. We were, we were a little bit late. We live 25 miles away. And so I was, in, I was driving the car, and I wanted my wife to be on time. And I wasn't, you know, because I want to, I want, you know, she's important. And I want her to be on time. So what do I do is I drive a little faster than the posted speed limit. No, it's not sin. <laughs> Cast the first stone, eh? You know, you just go right ahead. Go ahead and cast. If you can say that, you just cast it. You go right... No, I'm just kidding. I was, I was driving faster than the allowable, but it was, it, was the, it, was the, I mean, it was the right thing to do. In the moment. And I'm cruising along, and I'm passing cars. Eh, driving along, and all of a sudden, about... 200 yards in front of me, I see a car. And I'm looking, I'm gaining on him. I'm in the left lane, he's in the right lane, I'm gaining on him. 
And all of a sudden I went, oh no. There is a car up there that has a bank of lights on top of it. And I'm gaining on that car, and I'm looking going, all right, now, is that a real one of those kind of cars? <laughs> or is that some farmer, you know, that wanted to, you know, be able to, to signal? Because when I grew up in southern Minnesota, farmers had lights on top, so you know, they could, you know. So I'm looking and going, no, I think that's, I think that's one. It's the real deal. And I start to slow down, and I pull over in the right lane nonchalantly. <laughs> Now, why did I do that? Why did I do that? I didn't want to get caught. Yes, of course, that's the reason. But why did, I, why did I slow down and pull over into the right lane? Because of his authority. Oh, yeah. Now, here's the beauty of this example. All right. His authority was represented because he, whoever he is, it might have been a she. I don't know. It could have been a she. It was a he. He or she, one of the two, because there's only two. Yeah. <laughs> he or she, I don't know. I didn't. I actually never saw the person in the car. But as I, I'm, I'm going, either. But this, there's a person. Some person is in that car that looks like a police car. Yep, it's a police car, and it immediately invokes in me the authority for me to slow down. Now, someday this week, I'm at some store, it doesn't matter which store, but it's a store that has cat food. You'll get, I'll get there in a second, just hang on. Some store, I don't care what it is, but it has cat food. I go into the store, I walk into the store, I walk to the cat food aisle. And in the cat food aisle, standing a guy in a pair of blue jeans, sneakers, and a Green Bay Packers t-shirt. Who, what good thing? Could possibly be, you know. Don't do that? No, okay, I won't do that. Oh, okay. But, you know, this person is not somebody I would go, ooh, you have authority. But it's this person, he's got, he's, he's, he's dressed like everybody else, and he's standing in the middle of the cat food aisle. And when I walk by him, he looks over and he goes, hey, Aren't you the guy that was going too fast on Sunday morning trying to pass me? And I'm looking at him and I go, who, who the heck do you think you are? Why? Because he's just a guy, right? He's just a guy. He doesn't have a uniform on. He doesn't have a badge. He doesn't have a gun. He's not sitting in a car that has been given to a police officers to be in authority. He's just a guy and I'm thinking, dude, mind your own business. But I would never say that to the police officer if he pulled me over and, he, and I'm standing, you know, and he's standing there and he goes, you were going too fast. Mind your own business. <laughs> I wouldn't because I recognize authority. Authority is not about who the guy is. The, the authority is not because of... Because of him. The authority is because someone has given him authority to make decisions, to give orders, and to enforce obedience. He enforces obedience not because of him. He might be this little straggly, you know, weaselly guy. 
But the moment he puts on that uniform, the moment he puts on that badge, and the moment he gets in that car, that guy's got authority. And I'm going to slow down. Do you see that authority is not about who he is? The authority is not about who you are. The authority is about who you are in. He's in a uniform. He's in a police car. He has the authority. Now, you can blow by him. Good luck. One guy did. Well, almost did. See, I, he, there's a guy right on my tail, and when I pulled over, he's like, <laughs> I even told Deb, I said, I wonder how long it's going to take before he catches on, and all of a sudden, <laughs> pulls over in the right light. Why? Because he has authority. You have authority. You have authority. Because you're so amazing? No. It's because you're in Christ. Did somebody say, well, yeah. No. It's because you're in Christ. And you don't have your authority. You have... Let's take this one step further. Because what people do is, okay, okay, I'm in Christ. Praise God I'm not going to hell. That's awesome. Praise God. But, but this morning I, I sinned. Remember, remember that, that uh, quote that I used last week from Barry Bennett where he said, authority is the key to faith. They, they, if you can throw that up real quick. Oh, look at you. You're so fast. Authority is the key to faith. One in authority can give orders regardless of how they feel. Their faith is a function of their authority, not their feelings. Authority in the kingdom flows from righteousness. That's how you get in Christ. We'll talk a lot about righteousness. Because you don't get into, you don't remember? Oh, I wish I could I wish I didn't, but I got to say it over and over again so that you catch all the parts of it. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. And that we're going to talk about righteousness in just a little in depth in a moment here, but that righteousness is not of your own. It's not your righteousness. It's his right. It's because he said, I'm making you righteous. It's, 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 it's not a function of your faith or your ability or your understanding. Faith is a function of the, of, the, of the authority, not their feelings. Authority in the kingdom flows from righteousness. The enemies of authority are guilt, condemnation, and low self-esteem. These feelings have the goal of stripping you of confidence, authority, and faith. We must learn to understand our righteousness in Christ. Otherwise, our faith will be weak and ineffective. Okay. Say that same police officer is driving on, driving, he's still out there, he's still out there working, and he's driving during the day week, you know, during the day, and he drives past a bank, and he looks, and he can look in the window, and he sees a bank robber standing there holding a gun, getting ready for the kill shot, saying, give me all your money. And he looks in there, and he goes, that is a bank robber, and he's robbing a bank. That is illegal. That shouldn't be happening. 
I'm, my job is to make sure that that doesn't happen, that that doesn't continue to happen once I see it. That is a breaking of the law. That's wrong. I'm, I, that is my job to do that. But here's the deal. This morning, I took the last Snickers bar from my wife's stash for my lunch. I, to, I, I stole the last, I didn't, honey, but I stole the last Snickers bar from, this officer says that, I stole the last Snickers bar from my wife's stash. I'm no better than him. Never mind. And drives along. Is that right? No. We all know that, don't we? We all understand that. We all understand that his authority is not his authority. And it's not based on his goodness. It's not based on him being a perfect person. It's based on the government saying, I need you to do a job for me. I need you to, I need you to give orders and to enforce obedience and to make things right. So if you ever see somebody stealing from uh, the, the bank, you need to stop that from happening. Doesn't matter if you took what your wife's last Snickers bar. Doesn't matter if you took your last candy kid's candy cane from their stash that they've hidden in their room since last year. It doesn't matter if you've had a transgression or if you've done something wrong. It doesn't matter because you're not operating out of your own goodness. You're operating out of the state's desire that there be goodness to protect everybody else. It is no different than what Jesus did for us. And it's no difference. It's no different than what position you have. You have been placed. You are. I don't care if you feel like it. I don't care if you understand it completely yet. You will understand it by the time we get done with this in a few weeks. You have been placed in a position of authority. Now you have to understand, now we'll get to what you have authority over. Because there's things you have authority over and there's things you don't have authority over. And that's a whole other discussion for a different day. But it's based on righteousness. What is righteousness? This is the definition out of the Blue Letter Bible. It's going to be up there. Righteousness is, in a broad sense, the state of him who is as he ought to be. This, this sounds kind of legal, you know, legalish. It is the state of him who is how he ought to be. Okay? Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. God has said, I'll tell you what, I love you. He said that to every one of you. He said that to every person in the world that's ever lived, ever will live. He looked at us and he said, I love you. And because I love you, I want you to be in right standing with me. I want you to be in fellowship with me. I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to have authority. The authority I gave you back in the, in the garden. And Adam and Eve threw away. But here's the deal, you'd have thrown it away too. And here's the deal, we still do throw it away. We need to stop throwing it away. We need to treat it for what it is, a gift. Righteousness is the way you ought to be. Okay, The way we ought to be is have nothing between us and God. No concern, no fear, no, you know. 
I don't know, I've had a few conversations with people lately. It's happened like three, four times in the last couple of months where I'll say, hey, come here a second, I want to talk to you. And they come over and they go, I feel like I'm being called to the principal's office. I'm just going, no, I just want to talk to you about something. Well, yeah, but you know, because they're going, they're going through a head. Well, I hope he doesn't prophesy. Oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't say this. I hope he doesn't call out all my sin. I hope, I hope, I hope. Why? Because for in your mind, we're not in right standing. But in my mind, I don't know. You're in my, you're in right standing. I love you. I like you. You didn't do anything wrong. Even if you did something wrong, we're going to talk about it. You're still in relationship with me. And that's what God does. God says, I'm, I, he, chose, he chose to make you in right standing. So he sent Jesus. Jesus died. He's the only one that could do it. He's the only one that was, that was worthy. He was the only one who was obedient. And I'm going to count his righteousness for you if you put your hope and faith in him. I'm in. That's way easier than being good. That's way easier than being perfect. That's way easier. We go, it's too easy. No, it's, yeah, it is too easy, but it's, that's the way it is. It's what he did. It's, it's scandalous. His great mercy set it up that way. So righteousness, in broad sense, it's the state of who you are, who you ought to be. He said, you ought to be this, and so here's what the deal is. You put your faith in Jesus, you're that from now on. Boom. Done. Forever. And he doesn't take it back. He never, ever, ever takes it back. Never. He will never take it back. But, so then the doctrine, uh, the, the doctrine of righteousness is concerning the way in which a man may attain a state of approval or approve or state approved of God. How do, you, how do you reach that state of approved? You put your faith in Jesus. That's it. That's all it is. That simple. All right, go to, go to Romans. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 21. Really builds on this now. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. He's looked at this, and there's, it's all over the Bible. You go anywhere, I mean, it talks about this all over. You can't do the law. So his righteousness has to be based on something other than the law. Well, he based it on grace. He based it on his love for you. He based it, he goes, you can't do it that way, I'm going to make a different way. Manifested apart from all, all will the law and the prophets bear witness to that grace. Because they, they all said, this is what's coming. This is the way it is right now, but here's what's going to happen. A guy's going to come, the Messiah is going to come, the King of Kings is going to come, and he's going to make a way. The righteousness of God, verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, big hairy word that says payment for. Propitiation. 
He paid for it. He paid for it by his blood. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Glory to God. Go down a little bit further, down to Romans chapter 6. Now I'm going to give you a whole bunch of verses. I'm going to give you a bunch of verses here that all say the same thing, but I want to show you it's actually 90 times in the New Testament. It says things like this 90 times. It didn't say it once. It didn't say it twice. It said it 90 times. Romans chapter 6, begin with ver- or just, just verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You're not, you're not dead in your sin and alive to God because of you. So stop thinking it's you. You must stop thinking it's you. It's the first trip. It's the first stick in the woods. It's the first thing that you step on in the water. You know, when you're, when you're going out and you're trying to walk out there and you step on something slimy. <sighs> the first thing it is, is it's not you. When if you think it's you, you're going to fall every single time. It's in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, a little further down. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Christ or in Christ Jesus happens 90 times in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are. For the law of the Spirit of life was, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then one last one, and we've already read it, but just here it is again. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6, says, And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is because you are in Christ Jesus that you are righteous. You are righteous. You are in right standing with God. You're going to be right standing with God even three seconds after you sin. This afternoon, tomorrow, the day after, a month from now, a year from now, it doesn't matter. Your position with God does not change at all, at all, at all, at all, ever because of sin. The only thing that happens because of sin is your mind starts going, I don't measure up, I don't measure up, I don't measure up, and I start backing up. It, gets, it, it eats your confidence. It eats your, your belief that you have authority. My goodness, man, that's, if we don't catch anything else, we must catch that you have authority. If you are born again, you have authority Now we need to know how to use that authority. But it is based on righteousness because you are in Christ Jesus. It's the only reason. But it's the only reason we need. It's the only one we need. 
So we have it. Okay, now, what do we have authority to do? That's next week. Come back next week. What do you have authority to say? What do you have authority over? What do you have authority over? Now, I got to pick somebody really that it, because you'll see what I mean in just a sec. Somebody raising their hand. Do I have authority over you? Because <laughs> your dad is sitting there who has authority over you, and he says, you better respect this guy. Okay, I, I get that. But in reality, you know, how many of you have ever had kids, and, and you're, you, know, you, you say, uh, pick up the toys, and the kids disobey? And then the older brother comes in and goes, mom and dad said to pick up your toys. What does the younger one say to the older one? You're not the boss of me. You're not the authority over me, which is true. The older brother or sister, unless, unless the older brother has been given authority, that changes everything. What do you have authority over? What, I don't have authority over people. But I do. So that's why I have to be careful because employees, I have authority over them because of our relationship and work. I have authority over elders because, that, because, of that, you know, because of what we're working on. Do I have authority over you as a, as a church? Yeah, yes, to a, to a level. But I don't have authority over everybody. And I can't just say anything. What do we have authority over? And how do we operate in that authority? I'm going to have the uh, elders come on up. If you guys would come up, please. And uh, we're going to have them pray because they have authority. They have authority to pray for you. The Bible says in James, if, any, if there's any sick among you, call the elders. They will come and they will pray the prayer of faith. And when they do that, you will be healed. That God gave authority in that line. I've given them authority because I've said, I need you guys to be elders. Here's how I want you to function. They can't function just any way they want to. They can't, they can't sprinkle you with, with uh, glitter and go, you know, be healed in the name of sparkly. That's a really silly name. I had to think about that for a second. I don't know where that came from. It does, it does nothing. There's no authority. It doesn't, it's just silliness. But they know how to operate in their authority because they know the Word of God. They know God. They, they hear the Holy Spirit. They, they know the authority that they hold. And when they pray stuff, stuff happens. But so it does for you also. You're no, you're no, you're no lesser of an authoritative citizen of the, of the kingdom of God than they are. You're no lesser of a citizen, an authoritative citizen of the kingdom of God than I am. Here's the one that'll trip you up. You're no lesser of an authoritative citizen in the kingdom of God than Jesus is. If you can grasp that, look out. And it's not because you're usurping him. It's because in his grace, he said, come up here, guys. Let's do this together. 
I mean, he's still the name above all names. But as far as your authority, same authority as he has. Why? Why? It's beautiful. It's his authority. It's not my authority. It's I'm in him. It's his authority. Let's all stand. Last week I prayed this prayer at the beginning. Now I'm going to pray it at the end. Just because it's good to hear this over and over again. Father, I pray that the eyes of our understanding will be open and filled with light, filled with truth, filled with the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that each and every one of these that's within the sound of my voice, whether they're in this room, whether they're watching online, listening on whatever, Father, I pray that, that, that they, they together understand the height and the width and the breadth of your truth the height and the width and the breadth of your love, the height and the width and the breadth of your knowledge, the height and the width and the breadth of your authority. Father, I pray that every one of us gets this completely, once and for all, and then we spread it to the next group of people. And we keep spreading the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ step by step throughout this valley, throughout this region, throughout these states, throughout the United States of America, throughout the whole world, in Jesus' name. Covering the earth, even as the waters cover the earth. Father, we want to glorify you, and the way we glorify you is through lifting up the name of Jesus, letting all people know that you are Lord, and that you love them, and that when we're in you, we can literally change this world. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.